Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Sun Sport Football Podcast sponsored by William Hill. I'm Derek McGregor. I'm joined today in our Glasgow HQ by the esteemed Kenny McDonald. Kenny, you well? Yes, yes, thoroughly enjoyable weekend as usual. I think we have to start with Billy McNeil, Kenny. The sad confirmation from the family that the legend that is Billy Cesar is battling dementia. I would imagine, Kenny, like the rest of us, you were very, very saddened indeed by this news. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it's been a kind of uh, one of these things that uh, people within football have been aware of that he's been not in the best of health for quite some time. But it's always very sad when a figure as popular and as formidable has been brought down the way he has. He's certainly a reduced figure. I was at the unveiling of the statue to him outside Celtic Park uh, last year, and I could see then he was looking a little bit frail. It's very sad. He was a terrific player, terrific manager. I think it's it's an interesting stat. Celtic, you know... 100 trophies in their lifetime and McNeil was in, was involved in 31 of them either as a player or as the manager of the team that's remarkable isn't which it? is an astonishing statistic and you know is an indication of what a what an enormous figure he is in the club's history I mean the term legend can often be bandied about too kind of loosely and, and, and you know too often but I mean he is a proper legend Billy McNeil but if, if he had done nothing in his career except you know that afternoon in May 1967 then his legendary status would be guaranteed mm. but you know when you think of what else he did you know a considerable Scotland career as well you know he, you know, he ticked every conceivable box to be regarded as a legend and uh, as I say it's sad to see him in these circumstances but you have to acknowledge the bravery of him and his, uh, his wife Liz and the rest of the family for uh, going public about it I think the reaction to the news Kenny I think says it all as well it's you know it's such a you know, fans of every other team, you know, throughout the country, even people that are not football fans. I think Billy McNeil's someone that goes way beyond the football environment. I think that says it all about the type of person he well, is as well. The, and the, the test of the status of uh, of football figures, however much we regard football figures from any era as being great people, but the test is always when people who aren't, as you say, who aren't football fans, are aware of Billy McNeil, and I think that is the case. People like Billy McNeil, John Gregg, you know, their their fame is beyond their sport. As you say, it's touched all manners, all people in Scottish life, as as has been seen from the tributes to him. Do you have a lot of admiration, Kenny, for the way that uh, his wife, indeed his family, have you know have 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 discussed this, have talked about this? Because I think that they so much want to to help. The Alzheimer's charities, the dementia charities, they, they, they hope also that this can bring to attention the situation and, and, and give the research a boost and hopefully fundraising a boost. Well, there can, be, there can be no better figurehead 
than Billy McNeil. I mean, if that is the family's way of thinking and you totally respect their views in, in going so public with it. But there can be no better figurehead for the very reasons that you've outlined that he transcends being a great Celtic captain and a great Celtic manager. You know, his status in the game is far beyond that. And, you know, you can only respect what they are doing and the way that they are doing it. It's been a, a, a certainly a very emotional weekend, Kenny. I mean, I think obviously the, the news on, on Big Billy has dominated the agenda over the last 24, 48 hours. But nevertheless, getting back to football matters, the Motherwell situation has become quite extraordinary. You were at Fir Park on Saturday. The demonstrations at half-time, again, the total collapse of the team. What were your thoughts on it all? Been right in the middle of it all? It had been coming. I was also at the game at Aberdeen two weeks previously when they lost seven goals and could have lost more goals. But the first half performance on Saturday was as poor a defence of 45 minutes as I've seen this season. I couldn't remember seeing such a pitiful defensive performance in quite some time. It was no exaggeration to say that every time the ball went into the, the Motherwell box, it looked as though a goal was coming. And as Mark McGee, to his credit, said afterwards, it looked that way, and practically every time they went into their box, out into our box, they did score. The fourth goal was the signal for the stands to empty. I think the plan was to make the, the feelings plain at half-time so that because of the geography of Fir Park, the home dressing room is right next to the front door, so the players would have heard exactly what the fans felt at half-time. The only saving grace for Motherwell is that at half-time, 5-1, you thought, where is this going to end? <laughs> because the first-half performance had been so poor that you really wondered you know, quite how Mark McGee would handle it. Now, I was surprised he didn't make any substitutions at half-time. His feeling was clearly, you got us into this mess, you get us out of it. To some extent that succeeded because there was no more scoring in the second half. But as they also said at the end, you often see that a team who are as far ahead as DR take their foot off the gas. And Motherwell were just happy to get away without any further punishment. No, the first half performance was uh, was by Motherwell standards, which haven't been high this season. I mean, Motherwell... Uh, no team in Scottish senior football has conceded more league goals this season than Motherwell. So, this isn't you know a one-off. Their defensive performance all through the season has been extraordinarily bad. So, it should really have come as no surprise. Of course, you were also to Petodre, Kenny, for the massacre from Aberdeen. They lose seven. I mean, is this a Motherwell team that's just plummeting? Is this is, is, is it just on a tailspin? When Mark McGee was the manager of Motherwell the first time, he played a brand of open attacking football which I think took a lot of other clubs by surprise. And the standard of football, I think most Motherwell fans would tell you, in that first time in charge was as good as Motherwell fans have seen in recent years. They won a lot of games, a lot of them quite high scoring. Even the seasons when they finished in the top six, it was not unusual to see them conceding 60 goals. But they were scoring a lot of goals. John Sutton was scoring a lot of goals. Lionel Ainsworth was scoring so they always seem to have that kind of Newcastle United under Kevin Keegan ability to score more than the opposition. This season, for all Louis Moult's expertise up front, that hasn't been the case. They concede far too many goals. They are very, very open. The defence I have a degree of sympathy for because the way McGee likes them to play, they get very little protection from their midfield. But when you factor into that, a goalkeeper and a back four, none of whom are playing particularly well, 
then it's a recipe for problems and it's going to be a difficult run to the end of the season. And of course, I mean, exacerbating it all is the fact he's lost Stephen McManus, Stephen Hamill to injury, you know, potentially disastrous for him. The, 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 you know, but they, were, they, but, they, but they were part of the problem. I mean, they were... They, were, they also they, featured at Aberdeen. Yeah, they were no less culpable than anybody that's playing at the moment. You know, Stephen McManus has had ample opportunities and has made plenty of mistakes... Stevie Hamill's best years are behind him. He's 35 years old. Motherwell should have been taking care to have a more... I mean, I realise that uh, every penny is a prisoner at Motherwell, but they should have been taking more care to have something in depth so that if they lose a McManus, a Hamill, a Richard Tate, who is also unavailable at the weekend, that they don't have to put in Jack McMillan, a 19-year-old, at right back, learning his trade... Incidentally, far from the worst on Saturday. Yep. So, I mean, this has been Motherwell's downfall that they haven't been able, for whatever reason, to uh, accept that this problem might arise. You were especially savage towards Craig Sampson in your match report in Sunsport yesterday, Kenny. I mean, I think you gave two out of ten, and you certainly didn't miss him in your match report. Clearly, far from impressed with the goalkeeper at the moment, Kenny. Well, Craig rang me yesterday to... Uh, confirm what you've just said now, you're, uh, you're very experienced Kenny you're as experienced as they come in our business when you are as particularly scathing as you were of you know of, of a particular player is a part of you that anticipates there's going to be a comeback from the player as I said to Craig it's not the first time I've had a conversation like it I expect it won't be the last what I didn't say to him was choose a battle you can win because he's coming at it from a position of incredible weakness he lost seven at Aberdeen he lost five in the first half on Saturday. So I'm not entirely sure quite what he expected to pick up uh, the Sun on Sunday and read. He thought it was personal. It wasn't. I watched the game. I gave my views. He didn't agree with them. That's entirely his prerogative. I mean, the conversation we had, and it was a fairly lengthy one, was conducted with great restraint on both our parts. There was no you know, name-calling, but he wanted to get his feelings over and I totally respect his right to do that. You know, I, I've no, I have no problem with Craig or anybody else phoning and saying they didn't agree with what I said. But he felt I was personalising it. I don't think I gave more criticism than I gave Joe Chalmers, Zach Jules. But he did. The point I was making was that you get a tenor for the way fans think when you listen to their reaction. And Craig Sampson's an experienced goalkeeper. He's 33 in a couple of months. He will have been aware that in the second half, anything he did, you know, the simple catch that he made was greeted with ironic cheers. Joe Chalmers is a younger player, but when he was substituted just after an hour, there were, again, you know, ironic cheers from, you know, it was, and it, you never like to hear that because, no. I mean, these guys don't go out to play poorly. I mean, the, the, Craig Sampson and Zach Jules and Joe Chalmers incidentally were far from alone in their ineptitude <laughs> but they don't go out to play badly they, they were doing their best but they were just having a terrible time of it you know and uh, as I say Craig rang me we had a man to man chat we agreed to disagree and we move on I mean our William Hill sponsored podcast listeners and, and, and indeed our readers Kenny I think we'll probably wonder you know if, 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 if uh, you know, they're reading their reports they're reading their ratings they're wondering how, how we go about it, if we've got a personal agenda, if we do it for spite. You know, I'm, I'm pretty certain that all of us, when we're doing the ratings, it's not something, if, particularly if we're going to be scathing or something, it's not something we do lightly. 
you know, and, and we call it as we see it. I mean, I, I, I told Craig yesterday that, you know, I mean, this is human nature. If you pick up a newspaper and you get a lot of criticism, you're unhappy about it. We don't like it. It's part of the job, though. But it, it comes you with the territory, the doesn't it? What you very seldom get is a footballer ringing you up and saying, thanks very much for that. Man, that was, I appreciated you doing that. I thought your mark was too generous, but I appreciated it. And I, the, point I, the point I made to Craig was that when I did the match report between Aberdeen and Motherwell, Aberdeen 7, Motherwell 2, I got a lot of stick on social media from Aberdeen fans because I'd given Craig 6 out of 10, and they were pointing out that I'd given the Motherwell goalkeeper who'd lost 7 goals, 6 out of 10, the same as a couple of the guys who played for Aberdeen and scored in the game. Now, the point I made, and I said it to Craig yesterday, was that had it not been for a couple of terrific saves that Craig made in the second half at Pataudry, it would have been 9-2 for Aberdeen. Which, in, in the course of your, your full and frank exchange, Kenny, did Craig recall the fact you'd given him six after it, a seven-goal massacre? It, it wasn't mentioned. Right, OK. So, I mean, but that's, I mean, that, that's not, I'm not apportioning blame no, no, no. to Craig in any way. You know, he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have to hang on everything I write, but I was just making the point that there are, you know, that this wasn't a personal attack. I don't have, I don't have any kind of relationship with Craig Sampson other than a professional one. Yeah. So uh, I simply called it as I saw it at Pataudry and I called it as I saw it at Fir Park on uh, Saturday. If I happen to be covering Kilmarnock against Motherwell next Saturday and he has an outstanding display against his former club, I will record that. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Of course, I mean, in fairness to Craig, I mean, you know, you know, none of us like criticism and, and you know both you and I over the years have, have had our fair share Kenny that's for sure and it's not easy but we're obviously paid to cover games we're, we're paid for our opinions on performances if we think it's particularly bad we call it as such but as you say we can also sometimes we can actually be over generous on the other side of it absolutely. and it's not picked on you know absolutely you know but again you know that's human nature when you're criticised you remember it when you're praised you tend to think well you know that's not really something I, that I'm going to concentrate on. I sometimes think in that situation as well, Kenny, with a player, I, you know, part of me actually respects the fact that he's come to you directly. Oh, absolutely. I, you, know, you know, totally. As I say, I, I, don't have a, I didn't have any relationship with Craig other than a professional one. But, you know, if he's unhappy, I would rather that we discuss it man-to-man without name-calling, without being petty, you know, without him letting it fester. You know, be a man, have a conversation... 
As I say, we've agreed to disagree and we move on. Kenny, I've known you long enough. You're among the best in the business. You know, you're a teammate of mine and, and I know how you approach it. You call it without fear or favour. That's how it should be and, you know, you move on. I mean, if we can just return to Mark McGee's situation, in light of the demo at half-time, would you have any fear for his position? And, and indeed, who would make the decision? We've now got a, a motherwell that's fan ownership. Do yeah. they make the call? Is it Alan Burroughs that makes the call? If indeed there's to be one. Well, in, in in reply to your first question, I mean, Mark McGee said himself, you know, I mean, I'm always puzzled by the perception people have over Mark McGee. I I, I think he's, uh, I use the word again, professionally, I think he's terrific because he's my manager for what, over 900 games. He speaks, I think, exceptionally well. He's great value for the media. Terrific value for us. I like a lot of the things he says. I like a, I like a lot of the way he tries to play football. Yeah. It's certainly not working this season, but I like it a lot of the way that he tries to play. But I know there are a lot of people who don't like him, who view him as arrogant. I've never got that off him, but that's, you know, everyone has their own perceptions of people. But after the game on Saturday, he spoke quite frankly and said, you know, I'm not arrogant enough to think I'm not under pressure. No, you lose 7-2 at Aberdeen, you lose five goals in the first half against Dundee, a team who are theoretically in the same kind of mini-league, if you like, as Motherwell are. You know, of course you're going to be under pressure. Mm. It's naive to think anything otherwise. What I think it works in his favour is that there is a power vacuum at Motherwell at the moment. As you say, fan ownership. The chairman is a man called Jim McMahon, who I understand is currently indisposed, so... Whether or not he would make the call, whether or not it would be uh, the vice chairman, Douglas Dickey, I don't know. Alan Burrows, I'm not sure whether that would be in his remit, although mm-hmm. he is the chief executive of the club. You're not convinced he would have the total authority? I wouldn't have thought yeah. so. I yeah. wouldn't have thought so because, you know... Is it the model of the club as well, of course, now? Anyway, he couldn't alone do it. I, th- I think that is the case because, uh, you know, whether the chairman, as you say, is part of the, the fans' forum, so... You know, I, I don't I don't know whether he would have the power to make that kind of decision. As I say, I get I always get the vibe at Motherwell that there is a bit of a power vacuum there. And in this instance, that might work in Mark McGee's favour. The other thing that will work in Mark McGee's favour is that Motherwell's last six games have been with the exception of the game against Ross County, which they won against teams in the top six. Mm. So they now have the next six games five of them against teams in the bottom six now, must, at, the, at the end of that run if they're still toiling and still shipping goals Mark McGee won't be there I must say Kenny I mean whatever the viewpoint on Mark McGee as a manager purely from a selfish media perspective I don't think he's a figure I'd want to see the Scottish game lose because he is he's, he, he calls it like it is and he's great value. he's colourful and he's very uh, very media savvy He's always had good relationships with the media, yeah. I think, by and large. Yeah, and, and me, he understands what our job is about as yep. well, which, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always kind of bemused by the number of managers who don't get it. You, no. know, they, you know, they get stung if you ask them a question that they don't want to answer. They don't get the fact that I don't ask manager X a question because I want to know the answer. I want to know the answer so I can tell his supporters what his view is. And I like the fact also, Kenny, that he generally does not duck an issue as such. No. He will give you an opinion. No, and, and you know, he also, let's not forget, provided us with an unforgettable image of the season when he was sent to the stand at Pataudry and had that fallout with the guy who was filming him. I like Mark McGee, as I say, I like the way he tries to play football, but 
he will be, be he'll be more aware than anyone that he needs to get results and he needs to get the defence sorted out. You're listening to the William Hill sponsored Sunsport Football Podcast. I'm Derek McGregor. Joining me today is Kenny McDonald. Kenny, Cammy Bell, the former Rangers goalkeeper, has had a, a an extraordinary rant on the former Rangers manager Mark Warburton. Explosive is a real character assassination job. Were you were you quite stunned by the ferocity of what Cammy Bell had to say on his former manager at Ibrox? I got the impression from reading uh, our colleague Gareth Law's feature in this morning's paper that Cammy Bell had been waiting his moment and that when the time came and he felt that the time was right that he gave full vent to his feelings <laughs> uh, sure did. I totally respect his right to do that because he's been in the dressing room with Mark Warburton I don't think Mark Warburton reading it if he was to read it could complain with much about what Cammy Bell says because it's a fairly well reasoned argument that he wasn't up to the job You know, he disliked confrontation in the limited experience that the media had with Mark Warburton, that was the vibe you got out of him, that he didn't like confrontation much. And that's just what Cammy Bell has said. And, you know, fair play to Cammy Bell for saying what he did. Yeah, it was a, a terrific interview by our colleague uh, Gareth Law. And, uh, I mean, it was a forensic examination of Warburton as a manager. It wasn't a, you know, you and I have seen them over the years as a rational outburst. But, you know, Cammy Bell's actually going into specifics about Warburton as a person and his management. I mean, it was fascinating to read it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, a, it was a kind of insight that you don't often get, particularly at a big club like Rangers or, or Celtic. You know, you don't often get, as you say, that kind of forensic detail about a manager's failings, for want of a better word. You know, full marks to Cammy Bell. He's done a good job. Sometimes these kind of features, are you can smell the bitterness in them, but I don't think you do with Cammy Bell. I think he's done a good job, perhaps even shown a modicum of restraint about Mar Warburton. But I don't think there'll be many Rangers supporters reading that and thinking, well, you know, he's been unfair on Mark Warburton because I think a lot of what he says rings true. I'm pretty sure that Mark Warburton, who's now back in London, will have quickly been made aware of Cammy Bell's comments and you know I, I can understand that maybe Warburton will take the view that Bell was a player who didn't really get a look in under him and this is just a bitter rant from a guy who didn't play and the unhappy guys are the ones who don't feature in the team but do you feel that what a lot of Cammy had to say to Sunsport merely kind of backed up as you say what a lot of people were suspecting anyway? Yeah I, as I say I go back to this thing about disliking confrontation that was always the kind of feeling you had that, uh, He's too sensitive. Partly too sensitive, but also reluctant when things started to go wrong at Ibrox. You know, from time to time, a bit of verbal sadism does no harm. <laughs> and I, I never get the impression that Mark Warburton was into calling people out, you know, when things were going wrong. And what Cammy Bell has said this morning kind of backs that up. How to, uh, almost an impossible question here for you, Kenny, how do you read the current managerial director of football situation at Rangers. A colleague Andy Devlin revealed yesterday that they're poised to finally unveil a director of football. Does this have to be done over the next few days? Well, Is it high time now that this is sorted? If, the, if this is the way Rangers want to go ahead and frankly it bemuses me that this is the way they want to go ahead but if this is their strategy then I fail to see what the, the necessity for a delay is. Personally, you know, 
Football clubs lose managers all the time. Celtic lost a manager last summer. We're now get another manager. Rangers don't seem to think that way. Mm. Yeah, they've lost a manager. I don't get why there has to be this director of football thing muddying the waters because you appoint a director of football and he then presumably has to work hand in hand with the manager. Now what happens if Rangers fancy person X as their manager? They go and get a director of football who doesn't fancy person X. So, I mean, it just seems to be to making things unnecessarily complex yep. when it's a simple matter of the team needs a manager, go and get one. But... You know, I've long since given up being surprised by the way Rangers operate. You know, an absentee chairman who's in South Africa and showing no signs of coming back to steady the ship is the least of their problems at the moment. We have a full Premiership fixture card spread out over tomorrow night and Wednesday night, Kenny. Hamilton Ackies tomorrow night have Aberdeen at home. Now, for the first time this season, they have now gone bottom. Hamilton Ackies is a club you know well, you know the people at it well, you have a great insight into how that club is run. Is the manager, Martin Canning, under pressure? Not in the slightest. As you say, it is, it's a peculiar club, Hamilton. If Hamilton get relegated, their attitude will be, OK, we're now in the Championship, let's do our best to produce young players, put them in the team and hope that gets us back into the Premiership. But being in the Premiership is not the be-all and end-all. Hamilton Aki's and it's a, you know people. I think Hamilton Aki's supporters get fed up hearing it. Their strategy is to bring young players through. That will remain the case. That would remain the case next season if they are in the championship. They decided that Martin Canning is the manager. The only way I would anticipate Martin Canning leaving Hamilton is to be the number two to Alec Neil somewhere, mm-hmm. because Alec Neil and him are great friends. Now Alec Neil is having a difficult enough time. At Norwich, they're six points off English Championship playoff places. So, I mean, his future is far from assured. But, that, Ca- but, the, but that's my feeling. I don't think Martin Canning is under any pressure at all. Ian Cathro at Hearts, suddenly the, the heat's back on him again. A home game against Ross County, must win for, for his sake. Do you sense the Hearts fans are beginning to turn a little oh, bit? Oh, I, I, I think a lot of them have, uh, have made their mind up about Ian Cathro and not in a good way. I think anything other than a victory over Ross County on Wednesday would just increase the problems. I mean, you have to. The, you, the thing you must say about Hearts fans is they are incredibly loyal. Mm. You know, incredibly supportive of their manager. But you know, and their club, of course, financially as well. Absolutely. But by all accounts, Firhill on Saturday a very tame defeat to a Partick Thistle side, albeit a Thistle side that are doing well at the moment. But apparently, a very tame defeat. Uh, and again, you know, you shouldn't. It shouldn't be the main thing. But Ian Cathro's post-match explanation of why he put Leonard Sowa into central defence after Aaron Hughes was out, you know, unconvincing. Celtic go to Inverness. Do Inverness get a result again against Celtic as they did earlier in the season? The only team to kind of halt the juggernaut somehow. Do you see it happening or do you just think Celtic will just be relentless I again? Th- I mean, I, you, you can't really see where Celtic are going to drop. Uh, I, know, I know this is the only place they have dropped points. You can't see lightning striking again. Celtic will know, Brendan Rodgers will have gone there the last time. It will have been a new experience. He'll know what Inverness can bring. Albeit Inverness get a great result on Friday night against Rangers, I can't see them doing the double. Kenny, thank you. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you very much and thank you for listening as well. All the best.